Fakes contains explicit language and content that is not suitable for children. Go clean your fucking room. Hello and welcome to Failures and Fakes, a podcast brought to you by three ex-members of the Ongoing Concept and myself, unrelated to the Ongoing Concept. Well, well you're related because you're technically a brother. blood related. There we go. He's <laughs> blood related to the... That just sounds weird. Doesn't that sound weird? Can we introduce ourselves? Oh. So they know who you are. But they know. Burly, sexy, but if 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 they're fuckable. listening to this podcast... There's a 99% chance they know who I am. At least they know the idea of oh, me. It's like, you're that famous? oh, it's the guy that like screams like a girl on those records. Yeah, it's because you sound like a girl. Well, maybe not a girl, but how would you describe <laughs> me? There are some falsetto screams that I do that I'm just like, I'm baffled that I was able to get It's going to be one of those nights. Nights. I'm your host, Cooper Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight I'm joined by Kyle Schultz, who you've heard a lot of. Yeah, my falsetto screams. TJ Nichols. <laughs> and Parker Schultz. Sup? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like... Like when I when I was listening to these because I listened to all of them except for the newest one you put out but I listened to all of them last week or whatever yeah and the things that Parker do that whoa <laughs> the thing he do the thing Parker do for his well, all the things he does like you're just like I just like waiting in anticipation because I know it's gonna be funny yeah and half the time it's like not that funny. But I laugh because I know it's like it's something just about Parker. There's something about Parker, and I wonder if people laugh. feel the same way. If they laugh at that, they're just like, "That was stupid." I really do wonder. But I, I think you're funny. Leave Even us a if comment. Objectively, in the it isn't funny. Section. Let's do a poll on Instagram. Yeah, everybody knows I'm funny. <laughs> See, like that right there. I think that's funny, but I think people listening are like, "That's stupid." Well, they're stupid. Yeah, they are. You yeah, guys, fuck you. if you're Don't listening listen to this, to you're show. stupid. <laughs> you're wasting your time. <laughs> well, that's uh, the truth. Our listeners just dropped from two to zero. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So before we started the show tonight, we were watching an old live video of TOC. It's live at a birthday party or something. You can find it on YouTube. Um, and that was like 2011, I think, was when that was a thing. TJ... TJ Hi. Tyler. You want to talk about the shitty ass gear you guys were using. I wanted using to, but it. that was a while ago. I'm kind of over it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so this has been another episode of Failures and Fakes. Thanks for tuning in. Maybe we'll feel like talking next week. <laughs> so in that video, we were using the cabs that we had like de what's vinylized? De vinylized. Yeah. yeah. They were just bare wood. No, they had white on them. It was after we shot CoverGirl. Not that video. Oh, well, it was one of the videos we watched. We didn't play any songs in that. Like, all of Parker's symbols were cracked yeah. all the how, time. Like, how far into the ongoing concept did we get before you had, like, fully functioning symbols? Mm, for three years. So it was 2013, you're saying? Or later. Or later. I don't know if I ever had, because we borrowed symbols a lot. What do you mean borrowed from who? From dad. Well, that's 
like saying I borrowed food from my dad. It's like he just gave it to you. It's like <laughs> no, I'm not expecting not. this back. Okay, no, because value the value of symbols and food is very different. Yeah. I borrowed my dad's truck. I borrowed my dad's saltines. I borrowed my dad's truck and wrecked it and gave it back. That's what <laughs> Parker did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He brought the symbols and he brought it back and they had spiral crap. Like, like literally, like I think some of the symbols, they actually fell off. Like, yeah. like they, they would crack all the way around the cone and then they would fall cone. off. Yeah. There was cone, cone. crackage. Yeah. What is so a like, cone? like the bell. you know, what? Oh, the bell. Thank you. That's the, that's the correct, that's the correct term. So there's no cone anywhere. Cone crackage sounds they're, better they're, than bell symbols crackage. are all cones. No, they're, they're just, not. It's like a dome. The bell of a symbol is much closer to a dome than it is to a cone. I'm fine I'll, with I'll either give you that. Verbiage. That's fair. That's fair. I know. I'm always right. Except for that one time oh, that you thought you were wrong, but then you weren't. Yeah, I heard yeah. that one before too. Stop it. Hi, Felicia. Okay, let's talk more about the shitty gear you guys use. We used to bring like our own mics and our own cables, right? Yeah, all the time. And we would sometimes bring our own sound system because we didn't trust anyone or anything. Yeah. And not that ours was any better or stuff, but or stuff. Or stuff, wow. but it worked or stuff. It worked or stuff. So, bear me that bear me strength. Um <laughs> 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 that, that laugh Did you hear that laugh yeah. no, That's a rare part That laugh so right cute. there It was uh, like a chuckle Or something Whatever <laughs> Just chilling You just played a hard truck over I think there. Parker's yeah. just vibing Yeah I am Yeah it's good. Bitch don't kill my vibe Bye. I can feel your energy From two planets away I don't know the rest Got something to drink But in that video Bitch don't kill my vibe but in that video, I had apparently broken the base that I had brought. So I was using somebody else's, and I had it flipped upside down because I'm left-handed. He left-handed. Yeah. Football so even though I wasn't that. playing, it was cool that I was playing upside down. Yeah. You just needed a base to throw around your yeah. neck and concentric just circles. Just need a prop. I'm good with a prop. A prop. Concentric. You know what concentric circles are? No, I said it just to make we you. We don't need to have the conversation off. about it. Though. It's just when like <laughs> circles are inside of each other. So like, they all have the same center point, but they're, it's yeah. And that's TJ was the center point, of and his the base, universe basically. Yeah, yeah. but there was only one circle. It was the circle. base making the circle. There wasn't multiple bases with different strap lengths okay, making could, more circles. We could pause it that there were different circles being drawn by like his headstock and like the actual body of the guitar. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think they'd make perfect circles though. <laughs> I think I think circle's the wrong word. Elliptoids. I think you're the wrong. It's when a cylinder is inside of a circle. What? What is? What? 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 Parker, can you clarify? Whatever you said. What's the name? Concentric <laughs> circles? No. It's not when a cylinder is inside of a circle. It's when there's a bunch it's of a circles in, inside of a cylinder is a circle. Oh, Parker's yeah. talking about penis vagina jokes. <laughs> Damn it. What? I should have saw this coming. <laughs> <laughs> I showed up. I showed up. I should have saw this coming. I hate that it's saw and not seen. <laughs> I should have saw it. I should have saw it coming. So, how often do you guys like destroy your gear on tour? How often did we? Like, or like do how we? often did you? Because now like, I don't go on tour. <laughs> I said how did. I what? did say did. 
how often did you guys have to replace gear on tour? We made a lot of Home Depot stops in the first year of touring. Yeah. And I think that was more because I was <laughs> anal, retentive. Ooh. 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 You said and anal. I'd be like, I want to fix this or get this or make this or have this happen. We constantly realized that we needed more stuff. It's like when you go camping for the first time and you're like, oh, I don't have Or you move this. out for the first time. Or yeah, you move out and you're like, oh, I, I have to buy laundry detergent. I, I, need, I need to wipe my oh, ass. I need a vacuum. And also to wipe my ass. And I don't need to wipe my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Why the long emphasis on the whole? My asshole. I've never done it before. <laughs> I, I apparently I mean you're sterile, right? I'm sterile in all areas. That's right. I'm like a Barbie doll. I picked up a bass at a guitar stop. We guitar shop. It's not stop. I, we picked up strings. Guitar center. Fairly regularly. Don't you mean Guitar Center? Guitar Center or Guitar Shop. Is that a thing? Yeah. Where? What? Who, when, why? Just because we needed the stuff. No, no, no. I never like heard picks. of Guitar Shop before. A music store. Oh. Okay. You said it You said it as in it was like a chain. Like it was a Guitar Center, but Guitar Shop. <laughs> You're, you yeah, are... Yeah, that's good shit. You should try Stumbling over your words so No, I'm badly. fine. Where are my keys? Someone take my keys. Guys, oh, we would need to pick up sticks. Did we pick up strings a fair yeah. bit on tour? Drum sticks. Yeah, yeah but we would get the bulk sticks. Remember those shitty bulk sticks you would get? Those were decent. Those were pretty good. But half half of them would break like after like... like they like, all did. That's all drumsticks. That's all drumsticks. Yeah, but how long would you have... Like, how big was the pack? 30, no. It was like it was like 24 pairs or something like that. It was yeah. a ton. 24 pairs. Yeah, it's like a brick. So there would be 48 sticks. A pair is three, actually. And a block of sticks? <laughs> yeah, a pair. A block of sticks. A pair is three. A pair, oh, a pair is three, so that would be 30, <laughs> oh 16. The only sticks. Carry the one. That actually lasted a long time. 72. Was that pack of Silver Fox sticks that Dawson got once? Oh yeah, because you have and like now a they sponsorship don't ish yeah, thing. We got deals on them, but they don't exist anymore. Oh really? No, those were nice sticks because they were the, actually the best sticks I've ever used. Those were the best dick sticks that you had. <laughs> yeah, I was Fuck sponsored you. by Ernie Ball. Were you really? And Squire. Oh wow, you Squire? were. Yeah, squirt. But here's the thing. Spigurter squirsh. Oh yeah, that's a great topic because you you got shit. Like yeah. when you're a low level band, you just like, hey, we'll sponsor you. Here's like five percent off or ten yeah, percent off. Yeah, it was like I think it was ten percent. So oh. I could go on their website and order stuff directly through them. Yeah, which their market price was skyrocketed compared to what you could get at even Guitar Center. Yeah. So I would just go to the local pawn shop and get their like whatever price stuff and yeah. it was significantly cheaper than what the sponsorship price That's was so funny isn't that stupid i'm not surprised like, what's the point of having any sort of like endorsement through anything well because you gotta be, be big and you gotta get shit for free that's I guess the idea that's true you have to have it in on your pictures it's not fair parker how often do you get to replace shit. your heads for your drum kit not that often. Really? Snare, the snare was beat the most the shit often. out of that snare. Yeah. yeah. So I think like the, it's I, your wife. the biggest, the, the, <laughs> the funniest thing that happened with Parker's snare drum was that he actually 
blew out the resonant head, which is the head at the bottom of the snare. That's because it would get loose by itself, and then... And then I'd smack on it. <laughs> you would smack on the resonant head? No. Uh, <laughs> on the other one. That batter. Which head? <laughs> What's it called? The What's white the one. The, the clear white, one? Not the clear one, the white one. It's called the batter head. The white one's the batter. And the clear is called the resonant but you, you blew one of the resonant heads one. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. Oh, man, I blew it hard. <laughs> blew that freaking Fuck head all show. over. Man, there was there was freaking all that all that like condensation inside the drum was just like dripping out of that resonant head. Hmm. Why was there condensation inside the? I'm trying drum? to make a cum joke. It's fine. I know. And I'm trying to shut it down. Shut it. Shut it down. Because it's really it's really easy to fuck your jokes up. Bars. It's really entertaining. You guys don't okay, so we talked about this once, but you don't remember ever like welding your stands together? No, I do. You how many how many stands did you break? Because I remember you had a snare every stand. one of them. Every one of them because they were old and they were and they just <laughs> <laughs> They all broke. They weren't nine thousands. DW man, they make good freaking symbol yeah. stands. Yeah. They really do. Hey. I never had one problem <laughs> as soon as I got all 9,000 hardware. And they have those freaking sweet lock-in clips so that, like, you can, like, disassemble them and then reassemble them and then they're all in the perfect orientation again. Memory lock. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it sounds so dumb, but, like, you don't realize how annoying it is to set up things when you have to do it every single day. That's true. So for you, Kyle, what did you have to set up daily like, oh. what was your, like, specifically to you, not just what you did overall, but, like, what would you do every day that we would go on tour? I'd have to make sure when I brought my keyboard stand out, I clicked it on the right the right setting. Like, there's, like, you know, a bunch of different, like, different, like notches heights or whatever. Hits, yeah. yeah, hits. So I have to make sure I hit that right, and then I have to set my keyboard on and make sure that's centered because I slam on that thing, and I don't want it falling off, which I never did. I'm surprised that my stand never gave out or, like, I like somehow, like flip my keyboard off and it fell on the ground that's a like a three thousand dollar two thousand i don't know how much it was on like it was a twenty dollar stand yeah it was pretty cheap maybe and 50 it was like stand. pretty fucked up like i remember by the was end like of it yeah bent yeah I, I i definitely put that thing through a lot of a lot of abuse but besides besides the stand and the keyboard i would have to you know plug all the pedals and di in and stuff and then i would just have my mic my setup was fairly simple it was just heavy because i had to bring that case in yeah and I would normally do that by myself. But not- the keyboard alone was heavy. The case added like, what, 80 pounds? Oh, the case, yeah. I remember we tried to take it to Germany, and it was it was over the limit, which I think is like 100 pounds or 120 mm-hmm. pounds. And I was just like, oh, man, I carry that thing like all over the place all the time. And it's just like, not easy, but I just got so used to it. Well, it has wheels on one side that you can like... Yeah, but like upstairs and stuff. Beast that thing upstairs. That thing was so heavy. Yeah. Heavy. Heavy, very, very heavy rotation tonight. Parker, yep. what did you have to set up daily? Like, what was your, like, as soon as we loaded in, we had every all the gear in, what would you start doing? Drums. But what does that entail? <laughs> well, so. Tell me a tale about the entails. I would. I set up the bass drum, I set up the snare, toms, and I'd stack them. Then I'd start setting up the hardware, 
Yeah, you'd stack if if you're like backlining. You're saying yeah, yeah. Then Kyle would do it too. Kyle would get all the hardware ready, and then I'd put the symbols on, and then condense everything. And the did I ever help you with any of that? Sometimes I I, I help Parker I a lot. But you helped some of the time because a lot of the time when I would help. Parker would just have to redo the things that I did. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to let Parker do his Parker thing. Let him <laughs> set everything up exactly how Parker wants. It was fairly easy for me because of the memory lock stuff. Like I would never touch. I would never like actually put or tighten. Like I would put his like snares, like, like get the legs out on a snare stand and then like, like put the snare in it, but I would never like tighten it and get it in. Cause he had like a perfect place. He wanted his snare to be oriented yeah. Like I would never do that. Or like his bass drum. I would way. never do that because he had his pedals like in a certain spot and the way he wanted them tightened. Like he was very no, anal about that the, stuff. You just put the stands together. Yeah, I'd, I'd put the stands together and I put the cymbals on and stuff like that because those were all, it didn't matter. It was pretty, pretty dumb proof. Pretty but stupid proof. Yeah. Well, once we had the good hardware. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much I helped with the other stuff. I probably just like was more of a pain in the ass. You always seem to like doing that part of the tour, like setting your drums up, getting it all sounding yeah. good. I like, like condensing it because I was the best bit. at it. My area always looked the best. It did. Out of all the bands that we toured with, you yeah. had like the nicest, most condensed Parkerfied setup. Did you guys have any pre-show rituals? I yeah. would uh, I would puke and put it in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> like I had I had to rock that pocket of puke. That's a deep cut, man. I don't think anybody's gonna get that. Really? The puke pocket? That's pretty. That's pretty rain rain of me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. Um, I I remember. I definitely I definitely did that though when we were on tour with Wilson. You puke pocketed. Rain it's Wilson. Rain Wilson. Come on. Oh, I thought you were talking on the band Wilson. I I was I was because we toured with them, but it worked with the. With the, uh, with the pun, you dummy. I get it now. The rocker, you know? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Angela. Angela. I have titties. <laughs> Angela, join. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. So at the be- very beginning, we used to all crowd around Parker and we would pray. Were, were you ever paying attention, Parker, when Dawson or Kyle would do like the prayer? I don't think Dawson ever prayed. I think it was Kyle. It was I always think you. I did. I took an earbud out. <laughs> so I could hear. Yeah. Did you enjoy doing that, Kyle? It was interesting. I think I prayed most to not break shit and not hurt ourselves. I think that's literally yeah. what I prayed every time. I was like, let's not break anything and let's not hurt ourselves. Amen. Let's rock this shit. I, don't, yeah. I wouldn't say the last part, but yeah. But now you will. Let's rock cool this. Kyle. Right. Um, I'm cool, Kyle. I'm, I'm Samified, Kyle. <laughs> Samified. So we used to all, like Parker, Kyle, and I, we would sit in the trailer together on the little bench seat, and we would just vape like for 30 minutes before. We'd be <laughs> all be in our show clothes. That was like the main thing, be in your show clothes Stink so we could ass. just get out and go on stage. And we just vape, and we'd maybe drink a beer or maybe drink some hard alcohol. But that was really like the ritual. Yeah. Like that's what it became. And it became like a funny thing is to like roll up to a venue or sit in a venue and just 
open up the trailer door and just have all of our vape cloud just like <laughs> pour out and people would comment on it. You that guys was, were your own fog machines. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. I think I remember seeing that just like an explosion. Of, and we'd be giggling. Yeah. We'd be like, oh, this is going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would. We would. Like, I wonder who's outside. <laughs> I wonder how stupid we're going to look. <laughs> no, we never thought we looked stupid. We thought we were cool, man. No, it was for sure. Yeah. After, like, <laughs> so after we started actually touring regularly, we didn't do like the prey before each set. We kind of just stopped. Did we? I thought we kept that on for a while. We stopped. It was like maybe like the second tour. That we did, I think we just completely stopped because we didn't do it when we followed Warp Tour. I don't remember doing. Well, that wasn't really a play. There wasn't really a way to make it make sense at that point. But we didn't do it during the Wilson tour with the greenery. I don't remember. I I honestly I remember doing it, but I don't remember how often or when we stopped or if we stopped. Most of it was local shows, like at the very beginning of the band, and then we kind of just didn't do. We never had the conversation of. We should stop doing this. It just stopped happening. Oh, that that's totally could be true. I just don't remember the details at all. I remember doing it. Now. I never thought I haven't thought about it in ages. Was that important to you ever? No. Yeah. For, for me, not really. It was a nice like camaraderie. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, let's like, just like we all come it was just like that, like that reset. You're like, all right, it's time to play a show. We're all here. Let's just kind of like get in one mindset. And then boom, you're done, which was nice in that regard. But it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily about the prayer because the prayer was, was like I said, it was just don't break shit and don't hurt ourselves. Yeah. So, so what did, did you guys like hang out after shows or did you take with each other? Yeah. I feel, um, like, I would, I feel like I would just want to be like away from everybody not for a local while. shows. No, like we, went after, got, we went and got food. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's like, how we hung out. Well, you, when you when you say you hang out, like okay, maybe you don't hang out right after you play, but you're gonna drive for eight hours if you're yeah, on but tour. Sometimes not. I remember like the worst thing was local shows before we would start touring. Is I would get stuck with the van, yeah, and Parker would go off with either your parents or whoever you were dating at the time, and then Kyle would go with Courtney, and then Dawson would either go with your parents or with somebody that he was hanging out at the show with and I would just get stuck with the van and all the shit and I would have to drive home <laughs> all by myself. It's like, I hate Fuck this. that. Just all by myself. That's so shitty. Didn't I go with you sometimes? If- Most of the time it was me just oh. by myself. I'm sorry. I got lost quite a bit because I didn't know which like on ramps were the right ones. Oh. So I started heading to Seattle a couple times. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because you know, I'm like, it's completely stupid when it comes to yeah. geographically you're not, anything. You're like, you don't have a good sense of direction. Like I think Coeur d'Alene is west of me. I'm like, well, I, I live in the west, so I should probably go west, right? <laughs> like, northwest, this makes sense. Um, Actually, Coeur d'Alene's um, south of you right now. I know that is now. It? Well, like, southeast. South-ish. But, no, so after, like, went on tours... After after shows on tours, we would hang out. Yeah. What up, burger? Yeah. We would go to eat or we would just, if we had a drive, it was like me and Parker in the front seat just hanging out and fucking talking and vaping. Fucking. 
Yeah. So every night I would, I would open up, open up my Excel spreadsheet and then I would harass Alyssa, whoever was doing the merch and be like, how come there's like $120 in here and it says you only sold 118. What did you sell? That's not in here. Oh man. I was such a dick. Inventory would be off all the time. So then we started using the square app and we would go in there and like check off things whenever we would sell it. And that became a lot easier, but still we would give stuff away to other bands and we wouldn't market so there was always confusion but kyle would sit in the back seat behind me and parker and he would sit with his little file cabinet and he would just be running numbers for like an hour after every show that's very kyle yeah i would i would tally all the uh all the gas receipts and all the other expenses that we had for that like that day and i would i would put it all into my because i had like i had quite a few templates for like merchandise where you would like I'd put all the I'd put all what we sold that night and then I'd have a breakdown of of what we sold it for and then what it cost us and then a profit margin and all that kind of stuff and then an inventory slot on that as well so figure out what we had left wow so it was That's fairly involved That's pretty rare, some, right? I feel like there were some times when either you and Dawson or you and Issa would just like get pretty heated with each other about that stuff about that stuff yeah yeah, because it was always in the green. I'm like, no, it's in the fucking black, you dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I don't know why that was so annoying to me. But it was, it was such a contentious thing. Yeah. Like, it's in the black if you're not losing money, everyone. It's in the red if you are losing money. Because red is death. Black is Black not is death. good. Black is good. Black is good. So, anyway. We were hardly ever in the black, though. But yeah, so I would run all those numbers and then I would like, I would give everyone an update and be like, so we're only losing $300 so far on this tour. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like a daily like update of how shitty it was. So do most bands keep that or keep track at all of their expenses and income? I, I think, I think not, not, not in that regard. I mean, you have to keep track of some stuff because you have to have enough money to pay like your booking agent and your manager and stuff. Yeah. Because they take a cut on some of that stuff every show. Like normally a booking agent just takes your guarantee, like 10% as I think what ours was. Mm-hmm. And then Corey took 15% of our guarantee and our merch. Yeah. Not until like two years later. Yeah, he didn't charge us for quite a while. Yeah. Corey was the best. Corey was great. Like he was straight up like, you guys aren't making money. I'm not taking anything from you until we can build this band up to a point where you guys are taking money as well. I'm not going to ask for money. But did that ever happen? But I think it got no. to the point where he was like, oh, I'm I never going to make, make money living. off yeah. of you guys. Yeah. And I'm doing a lot of work so for you. Then Dawson started paying. Yeah. Him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was totally fair. And I don't think he should have held back at the beginning anyway. But it was it very was kind of him. Very, very kind. Yeah. Like Corey was our like go to guy. Like if he we was ever dad. He was he was yeah, he was band dad. So I'm asking this like out as an outsider who doesn't understand the inner workings of a band. So like is your record label and your like your TM and your booking agent, are they all like TM isn't really we wasn't never a had thing a TM. for us. Like so. really? we never had our own personal tour manager. Yeah. Really? We always we always did that ourselves. That costs money. Yeah, I guess. So is that all under the umbrella of Solid State, or are they, like, independent? Normally, they're all independent of each other. Okay. And is that your choice of, like, who you decide to hire? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, whoever shows interest, like so, Solid State. That was that was it for us. It was whoever showed interest. It wasn't whoever yeah. we hired because <laughs> there was enough people interested the to one choose. Person that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how we got Corey. Like Corey was a godsend. Do you know how? Didn't Adam know? A- Adam Adam basically gave him to us. So Solid State was its own thing. We got I'm like to Solid on the State. level three of. I'm like level three of the seven levels of Kevin Bacon. By the way. Oh, what? I'm I'm only four degrees. Four degrees. I would say it's that I'm three. I think like, I'm three. I would say degrees. I'm either obtuse or acute, and I can't really decide at this is, point. Is, so. is level Aren't one we, Kevin Bacon himself, or is level zero Kevin Bacon himself? What the fuck are you talking about? I don't about? know what he's talking about. The seven the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. So everyone knows Kevin Bacon through at at most seven degrees. It so seven didn't say people. degrees and say levels. I, I screwed sense. up because it was degrees the and I said it wrong. Seven levels of Kevin Bacon. Hell. The seven levels of hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not levels. It's degrees. Weren't, that's aren't that's we, fair. More like weren't. Weren't we one degree away from Twenty One Pilots? Whoa. Yeah, because of Corey. Yeah, yeah, we were. We were one degree from Twenty One Pilots. Or is that two? Is Corey? Is, so Corey was Corey's one degree. We're no. two degrees. Oh my god. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. So Corey degrees. was the manager for Twenty One Pilots originally before they were big. Before anybody As knew they, who were, they were, and then we yeah. ended up getting Corey. And we're like, <laughs> you know, Twenty One Pilots really. Can we be too cool? We like you. He's where he is because of them. Yeah. I mean, he's also a fucking hard worker. Like, Corey would be up, we would stay at his house in Columbus, and he would be up at, like, 2 a.m. answering emails to all of his bands. And then he'd go to sleep, and, like, four hours later, he'd be up, and he'd, like, be on his phone. But and he would also work full for time. Like eight hours. And, yeah, then he owns his own, uh, like, booking company like locally for Columbus. So he booked like shows and festivals and stuff yeah. like that. And like there was a time where he was also going to school full time too. Yeah. And like he, he did worked at so much shit and he worked at a college. Yeah. And all of that was at the same time. Like he's insane. No he's one of those guys that he, he just likes to work and he doesn't mind spending 16, 20 hours a day working, you know, like that's just the way he is. And Ew. so many people aren't like that, but the people that are, are successful because how are you not going to be successful when you're that productive that often? Yeah. You know, he was the most generous person to us, like by far out of anybody that we ever worked with. Like he would always take us out for food. He would, he like always foot the bill on himself every single time. Really? We didn't ask. He just offered all the time. He took us to shows when we were in Columbus, he would take us to shows that his company Bravo artists would put on. Yeah. He was, yeah, he would just drive us around everywhere. He was the fucking coolest dude. He's my favorite. He the first time, Corey. The first time we drove with him, you were, I think you asked, have you been in a car accident before or something? He's <laughs> like, oh yeah. oh, yeah, I've been in a lot. Yeah. And we're like, oh, great. And then you're like, well, what was the worst one? And he was like, probably that one time that the semi pinned me between like him and like the, the guardrail. The guardrail. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, aren't you glad you asked? I remember meeting Corey for the first time when we were on tour with Forevermore. And yeah, was so like, we played at the. Uh, this guy is our manager. Was it Como? Is that the name of the of the venue in Kobo? Kobo, Kobo, right? Columbus. Yeah, we right there. down the street from Tim Hortons and Late Night. And he lives like right there too. Yeah, he was like, yeah. like two miles house. from that venue. Maybe. But do you remember meeting him? Yeah, I was I like remember... so like this is our manager. He seems he was like. 
He was extremely. Well, he's just so intense. But yeah, he was. I was, I was such like, a what weird is first wrong impression, with this dude. He yeah. seems arrogant. Yeah, he started making fun of me right away. <laughs> I didn't like him at first, and then I started to like him, and he still made fun of me. He's good, <laughs> but just he's just like that. Shit. Like he took us out for like Thai food when we first like signed a contract with him and he was like this is what i'm gonna do for you guys and here's like realistic ideas of what can actually happen yeah he was the first one to like actually break things down realistically for us instead of these like grand ideas of what the band could be gave you you like a legitimate roadmap yeah he was yeah i mean after the first time i met him and i was like oh this guy sucks the second time i was like oh like he knows his shit. Yeah. Like, and I think he was also kind of drunk when we first met him. Yeah, too. yeah, he was, and he told us that later too. He was like, "I was pretty drunk." Yeah, I remember that. But I, fuck, I love Corey. Thanks, Corey. Yep, thanks, yeah, Corey. We thanks, do appreciate Corey. it. Hey, Taya. You gave us some great memories. Remember like, when he couldn't figure out what his last name was? Oh, how to pronounce it, or because it was like Hajaji. Yeah, H A D J E. I think. I think it's JD. It's Haiti. It's pronounced Haiti. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not spelled that way. Remember when, he, when we went to Germany, he flew all the way to Spokane to fly to Germany with us. Oh, yeah. From Columbus. Because he wanted to go on the same flight. Yeah. That's, That's adorable. So <laughs> I honestly so don't remember. He came to Germany with us? Yeah. What time? Was it the first or the second time? Second at, to last. Was, okay, yeah, it was so it was the middle time. one. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. What a guy. Precious. Yeah, he was fun. We just have a whole hour about how cool Corey is. <laughs> so I had I have a last question. Um, and this could run long, so I'll try to keep this one short. I want to hear you guys talk about the experience of going into a studio to do a record. Both like a general sense of what it's like, but also what it was for you guys personally. And how did that experience turn out? I didn't take it seriously. <laughs> wow, that's I think weird. The, okay, I think the Creed video shows We need to preface this. So, <laughs> the the what is my why are you laughing? The what Parker. is my destiny <laughs> EP was recorded at John Velasquez's studio in Canada, correct? I yeah, what there. is my destiny? Yep. Yeah. And then Arrows Before Bullets was, was at a different studio. Well, it was it was like it was like he took his studio and he upgraded it and he moved it to his friend's house. Yeah, and then that was the same place that we recorded. And so that was it, called like the candy shop or some shit, right? I think that sounds right. Yeah, I don't know if he's still doing that or not. But I have no idea. You would know more than me. He's doing film. Oh, so he might still be recording, but I know he's doing film too. The first time we went to record Arrows Before Bullets, I was like ecstatic. I was like, finally, we're going to record in a studio because I had never been when you guys recorded What Is My Destiny. And it was... I was really excited. It was pretty like amateur when we recorded What Is My Destiny. And when we recorded Arrows Before Bullets, it was it was definitely a big step up. Like he had gotten a lot of better gear and he had like... He had like three s- different soundproof rooms. Some decent rooms to work with, yeah. And it smelled like Ikea and everything was from Ikea. It was pretty dope. What? Oh, if you want to see the studio updates that I made, they're on the Ongoing Concept YouTube. And they're pretty bad. All the way down. They are really (laughs) bad. All the way down. They're kind of ancient by now, too. If you want to watch them, they're there. If you want to watch Parker scream, which to me is... 
probably oh, the, yeah. the best part about what is my destiny is the fact that Parker's screaming and it's so <laughs> it's so amazing because he's like what well, 2010 you would have been 13 years old or 12 years old like I can't believe you had such a good scream at 12 years old and also when you're when you're screaming the the words for come quickly I'm falling whifting you back. <laughs> oh, we can't get over that L's are not L's in Parker's whifting Pre-adolescent life, they're W's. I love How is that W's? <laughs> <laughs> but what was that like for you guys? Because you guys had done everything prior to that just at home, right? Yeah. Well, on Arrows Before Bullets, we had... You and I had written Arrows Before Bullets on Fruity Loops. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um... And we had done something similar, I believe, with What Is My Destiny. Doss and I had written a bunch of stuff. And were you part of the writing process at all for What Is My Destiny? No. I had joined the band like a week before you guys had decided to go to the studio. Oh, wow. Was that recent? And I didn't have a passport, so I couldn't go. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had written everything, I think, or a lot of stuff on on Fruity Loops. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's like a techno-making program. It's a DAW. It's a DAW. You can use it for a lot more than techno. But that's kind of what it was originally made for, I believe. Yeah, it's generally what it's still used. It's for. like amateur EDM producers. Yeah, but people make and some it's sick it's honestly shit. like ease of use. It's one of the best yeah. programs I've ever used. I haven't used tons, but it's very easy to use. But anyway, so we had written a bunch of stuff on that, and I think we had kind of played some of it out or or whatever. And uh, um, going into the studio was the first time. For what is my destiny? I remember I was like, I was extremely anal, and I keep using that word, and I keep feeling everyone's just waiting to laugh. <laughs> I didn't but wait. This I time. like Kyle anal. Anal Kyle. <laughs> anal. They Kyle, called me Kyle anal girl. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> is that the sequel to Cover Girl? That was no, so that's good. that's the quote from Five Hundred Days of Summer. Um, yeah. Anyway, and then he goes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot more than five because seconds I was summer. clean and tidy or neat and tidy, whatever she says after that's really funny. Anyway, it's so funny. Annoying. You can tell how much I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was just I was like nitpicky about dumb things. Um, not Kyle. Not Kyle. And I still was to some extent throughout all the rest of the writing process. But I um, but how would I describe that first time? So we would go up to to John's studio and our cousins lived like an hour or so away from there just on the other side of the border and they came up with us and that was probably nostalgia wise was probably the most fun in a studio I've ever had because they were all there and like a couple of their friends that we had known for quite a while were there as well and even oh yeah because they were in a band yeah they were in a band and that's why we actually had found out about John was because our cousins had recorded with him and we thought it sounded pretty good so we decided to go up there and do that but like they were all in the studio with us hanging out and it was such a fun time. So even though I was kind of like a like a dumb teenager and like so sheltered and like didn't have a clue about anything and was like trying to like tell John what to do and all this shit. Um, it was still a really fun time. And I think I think you, Parker, probably had like the most genuine time in the studio because you played everything. Um, like when you were playing the drums, you were like, you were just like, whatever, I'm just going to play great or play like I play and then do it. And then when you were doing your vocals, you also were very like, 
um, it wasn't like Dawson because Dawson was like trying to be so, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like trying to be so catchy and poppy and like trying to like force it, you know, Dawson was trying to force it the whole time. And Parker was just so genuine with everything. And so I really liked that. Um, but I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a really good learning curve, I guess it was what it was. It was, it was pretty bad, but we learned a lot through that experience. Studio updates are fun though. Yeah, they probably are really bad to watch. How was the experience for you being such a young person doing that? Uh, I don't remember it a ton. Seven but days. That was pretty funny. The first time was pretty fun, though. Yeah, I think the first time was the most fun. Because it wasn't, it didn't feel like you were like grinding in the studio for like a month and trying to, trying to record these songs. Was it was short. just like, let's just have some fun. But whenever I wasn't doing anything, like me and mom would go walk around or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you guys had your mom drive you, right? Yeah. Yeah, she drove us there. Yeah. She was there the whole time. Precious. Because it, it was, was a precious. small room and there were a lot of people in there. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I don't have to do anything. I'm going to leave. Were you guys excited to go back for Arrows Before Bullets? I think so. Yeah, we that were very excited. It was fun, though, that time. No, it was nowhere near as fun. Although, the, I mean, the studio was, like, way nicer. Yeah. And uh, the guy that he had moved in with, Ryan, was a really cool guy. And we kind of, like, learned a lot about film and stuff and, like, all the pictures and stuff he took. Like, he had a lot of... Oh just yeah, like I cool, about like, that. Like he would just like show us all the stuff that he was doing, and not that we really understood or anything, but that was cool to see. Like kind of that that just side being around like yeah. very creative people too. Yeah, I, I feel like that was maybe like a like for Dawson that was probably like a cool like spark of like maybe I should start doing stuff that's like more professional. Yeah, because I mean we did come back home after those recordings and we did film as for bullets. Yeah got a camera and everything. Yeah. So I, I think that was part of the inspiration for Dawson to kind of do stuff himself was because he saw Ryan do all this cool stuff. I remember it was so different from Arrows Before Bullets in Saloon because Arrows Before Bullets was all written. The whole EP was basically written. Like yeah. There was like two songs that were kind of being fidgeted with, but for the most part we had everything down. And then going to Saloon where we had like half songs... Yeah. And that just being so stressful. And frustrating. Did John have any input on the songwriting? We didn't let him. Oh, that's a bad idea. He he definitely added some stuff on on uh What Is My Destiny. He added a few things. Um like gate synths and some guitar stuff and stuff like that. And then I don't think he did really much on errors before bullets. He was just like, no, you guys should just maybe do like, he had like some he minor points production things. Yeah. But as far as like songwriting goes, he was really hands off. Cause we came in like, we know what the fuck we're doing. You can't tell us <laughs> what to do. You know, like we were so arrogant about what we thought we were. Yeah. I, I remember complaints of John pushing you guys to go for like a popular sound. And I don't oh, know whether all that the was time. through production or through songwriting yeah. or what. But that was just in general, though. Like, So the way he came across to me when we were doing Saloon is he was so like, you don't understand anything about music yet. Like he was listening to like Katy Perry and other like, like up and coming pop artists for the time. And I was like fuck this this isn't what i listen to like why are you trying to show me all of this other stuff like i didn't have any sort of appreciation for anything outside of what we were doing 
And the way that he was saying it, it wasn't a way that I was ever going to hear it. Yeah, he was he was being more condescending than he was than he was trying to be tactful. But and, do you think yeah. he was right? Because like, yeah, yes, I think he absolutely. was right, but he was just didn't have the delivery method. And we were ready to these hear days it. Listen to a lot more pop. I don't know about you, Kyle, but like, I but, don't listen to nearly as much metalcore and that kind of shit as yeah. as we did back then. I know you, TJ and Parker, definitely don't. Yeah, so no, I mean, like, I, I don't. I don't listen to pop some, really, but. Like some ground to stand on, but there. we oh like, he had he had tons of ground to stand on, but you he still just sucked find like the appreciation it. and like pop music. Like yeah. if you hear something and you're like, oh, that's sort of like a cool transition, or or just they're just always chords. catchy. Yeah, but we weren't. That's not what we were going for. So we were constantly like raging against what he was trying to against get the to machine, do. man. Against the John machine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he knew what he was doing. We just didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think John had a decent shot at making, making that a, a, a career. Like I think, I think he, it was kind of like us, where like maybe he needed some direction. Yeah. You know, I think he needed like a like a, a producer that like really knew his stuff, and then kind of show John like how to how to, maybe more manage his clients rather than how to record and like because I think he had that stuff down. Yeah. To a point where like. He, he could have gotten way better, obviously, but like that wasn't really his main issue. I think his issue was dealing with bands and and like the interpersonal relationships yeah, and, and the producing side of things. But like that's, that's yeah. really to hard to do throughout the industry. Is like it's therapy. Like it's, as a producer, yeah. you need to be a therapist. You need to know how to talk to each individual member to be able to get across the point that you're trying to do. Because like, and he was super young too. Like he was 23. He was probably he's probably yeah not any older than I am now. So. Yeah, he was yeah. younger. Yeah, I think for so. For sure. But like we looked up to him. So yeah. then him kind of coming down on us and saying that we didn't know what we were doing and like it felt condescending regardless of if it was or not. That's how we felt he was coming across. So I don't know. It's so weird because we were so young and so bullheaded about the direction that we wanted to go. You guys were very like headstrong. You guys were very sure about what you wanted to sound like, the songs that you wanted to be represented by and that was like the like almost best worst thing yeah that like that was really oh, it was enticing, way past a fault but it was yeah it was a huge hindrance on so us john growing. was the only producer you guys worked with right except for dawson yeah and there was and actually like a falling out with john after we recorded saloon but did you do all th- you so you did you did what is my destiny and you did arrows with him right and those were kind of released as he produced them correct Sorry, I zoned out really hard so there. So, like, like, after... Do you want to talk? I don't know much. <laughs> okay, so, to preface this, Saloon, you guys <laughs> basically scrapped, correct? Yeah, so we recorded Saloon, and then we re-recorded Saloon at our house. Yeah. We so recorded a majority doctor? of things. We didn't record everything, because we didn't have any of the songs finished. Yeah, we like tweaked tons of shit. I don't think we. Well, did we re-record Saloon drums? A majority of the drums were retracked and then resampled over. There's definitely yeah. There's a video of Parker tracking cymbals. Oh, there at, were so many like the weird residence ideas with the like, weird like mattress. Yeah, we had to do them again because phasing well, we had to, issues. We go back to, 
they were bleeding. Like, of course they're bleeding. I've never Into heard of the other mics. They're symbols. I've never heard of anybody. <laughs> understand? Okay, but like they we were I think, I think Dawson, or I think Parker literally played. He would play the whole song just symbols. Yeah. So so I watched the video awful. recently. Um, it's easy to find on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's on TOC's actual channel, but it's basically Parker tracking symbols for Saloon. I don't r- remember which song it is, but it's just symbols. They're divided by TJ's holding a like a mattress in the middle of the kit so mm-hmm. that the symbols won't bleed into the opposite mics. Why? I don't know. Like, they sounded, like, <laughs> like sounded did you guys find the did first you, yeah, time? Yeah, did you that not like them. why go to John and try drums with him? Well, here's the thing. So, what record were we like comparing to? I think it was Under Oaths. Oh, Lost in the Sound of Separation. Or Define the Great Line, one of the two. I think it was Lost in the Sound. Because the way that the the symbols are mixed in that record, you can't really hear them. And same with Bring the Horizon. Yeah. What record came out? That must have been uh Alligator blood, not that. Oh, there's uh, a hell. There's a hell. Probably yeah, that one. And you can't hear the symbols, really. Yeah. And he was trying to explain there. that to us. We were like, yeah, but we want to hear the symbols. Like, they're being played. Like, we should hear them. So it was, like, honestly, a lot of the saloon was us refusing to grow as musicians and humans. Like, we were just refusing to take any notes about it, what John had guys, to say. Like, looking back on it and remembering, like, the conversations that I was in and that I overheard and stuff like you guys definitely were kind of almost purist about the way that you wanted to write and produce your records. And, um, I think that's really common with new bands is like an inflexibility when it comes to how you present yourself through recorded audio versus live, because you want to sound like you do live. You want it to sound like legit or real or whatever, but it doesn't sound good. Yeah. Like, like having the symbols that loud and a metal record just doesn't, doesn't sound because there's like 15 other things going on exactly when you have that many tracks playing at once it doesn't we just weren't prepared either like going into saloon we didn't have like we had the ideas for the songs down but we didn't have the structures for most of them like when we got home we recorded like a lot of the auxiliary stuff as far as like snaps and claps and then like chanting chanting yeah extra vocals we had to do a majority of saloon over again just because we weren't prepared to do saloon in the first place. So it was just like you showed up to the studio. You're like, Oh shit, we can't, we don't have the time. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why we, why we pushed it so hard. Why did we go into the studio before we were ready? Because we had time with John scheduled. We didn't want to push it back. Like, we were, we were just so, young, dumb, so and was full Dawson of cum. <laughs> full oh of my cum. god! Hopefully, yeah. Parker was not legal. Um, <laughs> it's full of so it. So Dawson, Dawson mastered that record, then, right? No, uh, Dawson did not master that record when it was released through Solid State. He mastered the original version. Okay, uh, but who who mastered that one? The guy that Troy mastered the Emory Glessner. Troy, it's Troy, not Roy. No, he I said, said Troy. Troy. Oh. The fall of Troy. I think his name's Glessner. Yeah, that sounds right. So he mastered Saloon and then Dawson mastered Handmade. I think Saloon was like the best. Someone kind else of mastered Handmade, but Dawson didn't like it, so he did it himself. It was Troy again. Yeah. And he and he did a side by side, and a- Adam picked his master, so he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. So it's true, though. Like th- what Troy had to work with. 
Like, uh, what can you do? Like, if you don't have control of the mix, yeah. you can't really fuck with the master. Yeah. The guy was like, because master, fucked regardless. Like, to my knowledge, mastering does not have that big an effect. If you it's, can't change things at their, like, yeah. If you, can't, if you can't fuck with the stems, you can't really do a whole lot fuck after with the fact. Stem. With the flower. With my stem. Fuck with my root. But really, if the mix yeah. is good, I'm, the master makes a huge difference. But if the mix sucks, then all that mastering but, is is just turning it up. But yeah, you can't mix make it better. Twelve guitar parts that are going at the same time and make that sound good, especially when they're not edited properly. Yeah, right. Like the guy was fucked. He had he, there was no like room for him to even make it like a decibel louder. Because if he would have, then it would have sounded like ass. Yeah. I mean, like if I so if I if I drag and drop. A TOC track into Reaper. It's the waveform is a block. A block. I get a brick across my entire screen. It's yeah, just it might be because chopped. There's something yeah, else. It, it's incredible. It's just a wall of sound. Yeah. So are you guys? Do you guys wish you had gone a different direction when it came to the way that you recorded and released your music? Or? No, I I just wish that that there wasn't so much tension between all of us as a band, and then we could have we could have learned from our mistakes and then we could have done something better after handmade. Like, I really think that that saloon was such a good learn. Like you can't replace that, but, but the, you know, hindsight is 2020. That's the year 2020, 40, 40, 40, 40. Like we've had so many good learning experiences through both of those albums. Like I, I wouldn't change that for anything, but looking, looking into the future, if there was a future, then Yes, we need so much producing and we need, we need help. We need, we need so much help. Yeah. Cause when we were doing handmade, like we really dissected what we were doing, like being there the whole time and being like, uh, this guitar part's really sloppy, like re-record this, but we didn't have anybody else to let from the outside that had no, like affiliation yeah that was like completely unbiased about the songs we didn't really have anybody there to be like oh no this song's really just not there yet like work on the structure work on transitions better work on the choruses but not even that just like anything like cohesive the thing about a producer that i at least i'd hope that they do is like okay we're gonna like they're not just gonna say work on it they're gonna be like i have an idea let's try to implement this and that's that's what we needed because I think we were running dry of, of. Running dry, but we were we were we were exhausted or exhausting all of our our patience and all of our our our, our creativity. Like it was just like yeah. we didn't care anymore at some point because we were so sick of it. We needed some fresh fresh eyes on it. And we were on such a time constraint for like getting the record out to (laughs) when, like when we recorded survivor there, we were just like, this is good enough. Let's just put on the record. Like, it wasn't like we were stoked about every single song. Like, I mean, we were to a certain extent, but it never felt like they were fully finished. Yeah. I I, I remember that feel like that. Like, Oh, we finished the record. That's, true and then looking back on some of the songs it was like how did we release that but in yeah. the moment it felt good it definitely didn't feel good in the moment on hand on handmade with some of the songs i remember survivor being like super pumped about that song at first and then 
or and and prisoner both of those oh, songs yeah. being like super pumped about those songs and then like hearing them after i'm just like oh this is wrong something happened and it's not what i thought it could be or was i and think saloon saloon sounded better when it came out um than handmade did and looking back i like vastly prefer listening to handmade because it's just a more fun record but like when saloon came out it was kind of like it fit in with the current like it found its own place in yeah but it, it fit in with like the current standard for metalcore music back then it had like a lot of the same elements it sounded pretty similar the songwriting was pretty similar and I think Handmade was, it didn't stick out like a sore thumb or anything, but Handmade definitely felt a little out of place in that genre and in that like situation. So I think it does feel like Saloon is more of a complete record to me if we forget sidelines. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think, I think Little Situation too, that song could just get axed. And you are the one I still have mixed. I just don't. Yeah, a little. Okay. But like, but it, it, does, it, matter, does, yeah. it does feel more complete and it feels more like it was fully fleshed out to the full extent. Like, yeah, it could have had every part of it could have been better, but that's any record. But Saloon definitely feels like you guys started a project and finished it. Yeah. And that's, but there that's are the argument. But handmade that, yeah, they don't feel fully finished. They don't feel like. Yeah. That's that's the argument that you have with so many bands. It's like their first album's great and then their second album isn't because they don't have the time to like sit on songs for a long time. Because there were a few of those songs that we worked on for a long time in in Saloon. So like they they really were what we thought they they could be and, and be no better. So And I mean you're always gonna have like a filler or two. Yeah. Like you're trying to write ten songs for in six months or three months or however long your time constraint is. I think with handmade, we were just so like scatter focused with everything. Like Kyle wasn't focused on the musical aspect of it. Like he was with Saloon. I was focused on the axe aspect of it though. You were focused on the (laughs) axe aspect. I don't know. Like handmade was such a blur compared to Saloon. Like Saloon was so spread out. We had time to really digest the way that we were writing the songs and like reworking them constantly. Because we didn't have, there was no deadline. And with Handmade, it was like, fuck, we need to like get these instruments put together and we need to get this record together. We have to do promos for this. Like everything happened so fast. And we did it all ourselves. And that's, that's that was like the worst idea. That's the issue. Like as a, as a tiny band, are you... You, you can't be naive enough to think that anyone's going to really care that much to like drop a bunch of money on you and like, and do all those things for you. But at the same time, you can't do it all yourself. So you're really just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like the hardest. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shit. It really <laughs> is shit. It was like, I remember talking about after saloon talking. I don't know if I talked to you, but talking to Dawson about like, could we go to a producer? Like we have the opportunity. We have a label. Oh, I remember we'll giving get a that budget. a hard pass. And I was like, yeah, we should like write songs, go to somebody that is also like a songwriter and a producer. And that just being tossed out the window. Yeah. So we, we were not into that. It yeah. was so like, we need to do this ourselves because people care about that. Think of a fuck. And they don't know. And they wouldn't they have know no fucking anyways. idea. Yeah. If we would have been in a studio with a producer, 
I don't think that that would have changed anybody's perspective of who the band was. No. They're just been like, oh. It just sounds good now. It sounds, It sounds yeah. better. The songs are more cohesive. Yeah. The record's more cohesive. Yeah. Like, but uh, you guys were young. Yeah. Yeah, we were young. And new. Like, I don't know. There's definitely a lot of leeway there. I think Handmade is a good record. I don't think it's a great record. But I feel the same way about Saloon. Yeah. Like, there's really good parts, but I don't think as, like, a whole, it all makes sense. I think Handmade is a lot more timeless. Like, to me, Saloon has a lot of, like, the early 2000 or 2010s, like, two-step hardcore dancing. Like, it, it, it feels like it was written to be played live, where Handmade feels so much more just, like, we were trying to go listen poppy. to this wherever. But Handmade doesn't feel poppy to me. It just well, feels more approachable. But that was the goal. It was yeah. the goal, though, yeah. We like, wanted to transition like Bring the Horizon did into like a pop band. Because we knew that there was no future, future in just like banging our heads and yeah. being insane assholes. Like we had to come up with something that wasn't just about the live show. And that's kind of where we were headed. And then it then fell you, apart. Then you quit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's it for us then. We're going to quit the podcast now. Good talk, Parker. It fell apart. Thank you for <laughs> your input, Parker. <laughs> he says yeet. I still can't believe yeet, he says he does. yeet. Thank you so much for listening to this shitty Soy podcast. Soy, thank you, Soy Milk, for listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> just Soy Milk. Fuck you, Oat Milk. <laughs> I hate you, no, I just had. I just had Oat Milk. Um if you have any questions or feedback for the show, please shoot or us any an email. coconut milk. Please shoot us an email at failuresandfakes. No. Shoot us an email. Contact at failuresandfakes.com. If you'd like to see the rest of our shit, failuresandfakes.com. It's the same shit. Failuresandfakes.com. Failuresandfakes.com. Dot com. Parker thought the cum was funny. Dot I have com. been. I've been your host and podcast daddy-o, Cooper Nichols, and I have been joined by Kyle Schultz. You know, my dad made a funny the other day, but how come English people can always TJ get away Nichols? with... <laughs> I wanna, no, finish your joke. I want to hear your how funny. Come, how come English people can always can always get away with like saying, always, yeah. saying terrible words? Because they're cunts. Yeah, like, but I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> What? You can't do that? I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Because I can't. I don't get the funny. He said it's a funny. Where's the funny? Who's funny? I've been uh, Tyler Jones. Or like tweet others as you'd like to be tweeted. That was also funny. Also joining us has been Parker Schultz. Yeah, boy. Okay. What's our outro song? Dick. Ooh. And I'm gonna ride. And I'm gonna ride.